Christ Community Church, located at 25th and Thomas Avenue in Portsmouth, Ohio. Christ Community meets on Saturday at 5 p.m. and Sunday at 10.30 a.m. For more information, visit www.christcommunity.net or check out our Facebook page. Good morning, Christ Community Church. <clears throat> I will apologize ahead of time. I didn't get a lot of sleep. My wife's out of town. I never sleep well when she's out of town, partially because I miss her, partly because her demon-possessed puppies won't leave me alone, and typically they're bothering her. And so, and I've had for the last 24 hours the sniffles and sneezing and coughing, and every time I coughed last night, one of the puppies had to lick me in the face, which was just wonderful. Um, so, <clears throat> I will be hacking some, and I apologize for that. Well, um, we had the Martin Luther King, and I, I hate because uh, it just drives me crazy when CNN or Aaron does this. They go, you know, it's Martin Luther King Day. No, it's the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Day. People forget he was first and foremost a pastor, and that's how he saw himself, and he saw his cause as a ministry, and uh, the uh, seculars like to gloss over the fact. Well... We had Martin Luther, uh, Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King uh, breakfast here yesterday. It was great. Many of you were here, and uh, we hope to do it here again. It's a great honor to be able to do that. This morning, I have to preach a sermon here over the next 30 minutes that should be a 30-session lecture because we're talking about the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit doesn't get talked about enough in churches because, partly because preachers like me are afraid people will get carried away and the next thing you know, we're preaching and people are down, dancing up and down the aisles and speaking in tongues and all other kind of stuff. And, you know, and we don't want things to get out of hand. And things shouldn't get out of hand. The Apostle Paul says there's supposed to be order in the church. So, you know, it's, 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 I love the Blues Brothers as much as anyone else, and to see people doing, you know, jumpy, all kinds of flips and all kinds of stuff in the church, but that's not the way church is supposed to be run according to Scripture. But the Holy Spirit, the Bible talks about the Spirit so much, and the church talks about it so little, and that has to be rectified, and that's on me as much as anyone else. For example... What Brew read to you was essentially this. Every single one of us, every single one of us who has ever lived, save one, has sinned. And if you have sinned, what you deserve for that is an eternity in hell. One sin. Because one sin is treason against King Jesus. And what is the penalty of treason? It's death. So what do we need? We need salvation, but we need more than just faith in Jesus Christ. That's where it begins. We need more. Uh, Dr. Tim Keller is a pastor that I listen to a lot. I was listening to him this week, and he put it this way. He said, you know, if you know a friend of yours or a loved one is dying, you don't talk to them about the weather. You don't talk to them about the Bengals, though I do hope they win tonight. 
you talk to them about stuff that is truly important. When you get to John 14 and Jesus is talking to his disciples and he's about to go to the cross, what does he talk to them about? He talks to them about the Holy Spirit. He says this, telling his disciples, this is shortly before he's going to be marched to the cross, in John 14, 15 through 17, he said, If you love me, obey my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate. Now that, that word there, advocate, it, in your English translations, you'll, you'll see different words pop up. Some will say helper, some will say counselor. Really, the Greek is so wide, but really the way I'd like to have it translated is, and I will ask the Father and he will give you another friend who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him, but you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. Now, the interesting thing about that, and I, I hope that my Greek professor is still living. He's in Dallas, Texas, Dr. Osborne. I hope he never sees this because he told us in Greek class that if he ever, he said, only geeks use Greek. He said, don't ever let me catch you preaching about Greek from the pulpit or I will give you a retroactive F. I'm about to talk about Greek, so I hope he's not watching. When it says in verse 16, and Jesus says, I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate. The word there, another, there are two different Greek words that can be translated another. One means another like me but different. So, my wife and I are both human beings, obviously, but I am male, she is female. I'm an introvert, she is a radical extrovert. We are the same, but we are different. Make sense? This Greek word that Jesus uses, he says, I will send another advocate. This means different, it's not me, but we're the same. So what is Jesus saying? Jesus is saying that the Holy Spirit has the same authority and power he has. I will send you one just like me. Why is that important? We have a belief, and this belief is as old as mankind, that if we are, quote unquote, good people who do the right things, Everything will be fine. I see this every once in a while on Facebook. I don't like to go on Facebook. I try to be on Facebook like two minutes a day. I'll get notifications on the church page or what, or I have to put something on the church page, and then I'm out. I don't like Facebook. But every once in a while, I will catch that somebody who attends this church I will not name names. I will not shame the guilty. We'll say something about karma. Karma, the idea that if you do good, good will come back to you. Really? 
We're celebrating the life of Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. How'd that work out for him? How'd that work out for Gandhi? How'd that work out for Jesus? Karma, my, excuse me, my butt. Some of the greatest Christians in history lived short, torturous lives, and they did nothing but love people. So get that out of there, and don't let me catch you posting that on Facebook especially. There is no such thing as karma. That is an Eastern Oriental thing that is not a Christian thing. Doesn't work that way. And the other belief we have is that along with that is I go to church, I pray every once in a while, I don't commit any of the big sins, never cheated on my spouse, never cheated much on my taxes. You know, that kind of stuff. So obviously I'm a good person. Not without the Holy Spirit, you're not. Bible is very clear, unless you have the Holy Spirit, you cannot even know what truth is. What does Jesus say? It will lead you into all truth. The Israelites, this week, you know, if you look over some of the key passages, um, the key passage that uh, we have this week is actually in Judges 2. <clears throat> I typically summarize Judges rather than read Judges because Judges is tough to read in mixed company. Have you read the book of Judges? Whew. You've got a prostitute being chopped up and FedExed all over the country. It's rough stuff. But the recurring passage in Judges is, and everyone did what was right in their, his or her own eyes. Why? They had the word of God. They had the priesthood. They had the tabernacle with the Ark of the Covenant. Didn't they have everything they needed? Apparently not. So you can have church, you can have youth group, you can have communion. But if you don't have the Holy Spirit, you know nothing. You need the Holy Spirit. Paul says we are to be led by the Spirit. That's what it's all about. What you need, what I need, what all of us need, what every church needs is more and more of the Holy Spirit and less and less of us. That's what it means. I have been very open about this. People, I, <laughs> I confuse a lot of people that I run into because I have the earned reputation of being a Bible thumper. And at the same time, I detest legalism. I detest legalism. Legalism is rules, man-made rules that we apply to the faith that can be found nowhere in Scripture. For example, I will walk in to say Applebee's or the river and I will see somebody who knows I'm a pastor, maybe they come here, maybe they go to another church, and it's so much fun to see how they try to hide their beer. It cracks me up 
They used to do it to dad too. I remember when I worked in politics and we were at a, we were at a fundraiser. And I looked over and dad walked in and I saw six candidates take a beer and go. Like dad didn't know what they were having behind their back. Now look, there's all kinds of reasons why a person maybe shouldn't drink. If you have an addictive personality, runs in your family, whatever, you, you probably shouldn't drink. But the Bible doesn't say it's a sin to. It says it's a sin to get drunk. And yes, young people, buzzed counts. But it doesn't say it's sin to have a glass of wine. Jesus did. It's not a sin to smoke. It's stupid, but it's not a sin. People say, oh, no, 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 your body's a temple. That is not what Paul is talking Read that passage. Paul is talking about going to see a prostitute. Yes, that is a sin. By the way, I don't, I hate when Christians make man-made rules. Oh, you watch. I was, I was at a conference, and somebody asked me about the podcasts that I do, and I said, one of the podcasts I do is I do a podcast with my son and we talk about scary movies and he said oh, you shouldn't do that those things are evil I said well some of them are so bad they're evil but that's you want to show me the passage where it says that it's a sinful now my wife doesn't watch scary movies because she says she gets nightmares she won't even let me watch a scary movie in bed while she's sleeping. She says the noises give her nightmares. So be it. But if you want to watch Jaws, watch Jaws. It's a good movie. Nothing sinful about it. Now, you should learn from Jaws. What is the lesson of Jaws? You don't go in the ocean. Now, how many times I have to preach this? Biggest marketing scam in history. If I told you, if I asked you, said, hey, do you want to get in ice cold water filled with pollution, fish poop, and man eating creatures? You'd say, of course not. Do you want to go to the beach? Yeah, it's the same thing. Oh, what does God have to do to tell you this is not where you're supposed to be? I detest legalism. We're supposed to rely on the Holy Spirit. And you say, well, that's just going to lead to chaos. People just do what they want. Then they're not being led by the Holy Spirit. More often than not, if you're being led by the Spirit, you're not doing what you want. You're doing the exact opposite. And I could go to Ephesians, and I could go to all kinds of different places, but I just have these. I want to <clears throat> just, just a few passages that talk about the Spirit and what the Spirit does. Romans 5.5, 5, the Spirit brings love. Only love comes from the Holy Spirit. Hope, Romans 15.13, hope comes from the Holy Spirit. John 14.26, the Word of God comes from the Holy Spirit. Acts 1.8, the power to bring other people to Jesus Christ comes from the Holy Spirit. And the only way to obey God, Ezekiel 36.27, Ezekiel 36, 27, the only way to obey God is through the Holy Spirit. 
You can't do it on your own. That's one of the reasons we have the Old Testament, that God gave us the Old Testament. And we see the Israelites screw up again and again and again and again and again. They had the word. They had the priesthood. They had the tabernacle in the presence of God. What did they not have? The Holy Spirit. The church worldwide, and I'm not bagging on it, there are a number of pastors out there doing hard work here in this town and other places that I love. Talking to several pastors here locally yesterday at the breakfast. These are all men that I know that are trying to be led by the Holy Spirit more and more. You know, it just hit me, one of the pastors I was talking about yesterday. I could summarize this whole sermon this way. Be like Ralph Clay. If we were all more like Ralph Clay, wouldn't Portsmouth be a better place? The church worldwide, and, and one of the privileges I have, another podcast that I do that just launched, and my wife will get mad if I don't mention it because she produces it, is uh, the Senior Pastor Podcast. I host it, but the four pastors there is Don Will, Dr. Don Wilson, who was God's instrument to found Christ Church of the Valley in Phoenix. That's a church of 30,000 people. Bob Russell, founding pastor of Southeast Christian Church in Louisville. That's a church of 20,000 people. Dr. Ken Eidelman, the former president of Ozark Christian College and the former senior pastor of Crossroads Christian Church in Indiana, which is a church of 10,000 people. And then someone named Scott Rawlings. And after recording with these guys for four hours and cutting it up into 20-minute segments so we'd have months and months of podcasts, it was Kyle Eidelman, who's now the senior pastor at Southeast. We used his studio at Southeast Christian Church. And the... And the, the guy who was recording it, the editor and producer, he looked down at me and he said, I just want to hear your dad talk inappropriately for four hours. I said, that's no problem. If he talks for four hours, it's inappropriate. <laughs> you know, the, the, most, the thing I say to my dad the most is, Dad, that was out loud. But one of the things that we were talking about, these, these pastors that, I, that I, I love spending time with and getting wisdom from, the church worldwide today doesn't need more programs, and it doesn't need a better youth program, and it doesn't need this or that. What it needs is the Holy Spirit. It needs to be filled with the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God. That's what it means. Throughout history, when God's people are filled with love, which comes from the Holy Spirit, with hope, which comes from the Holy Spirit, with the Word of God, which comes from the Holy Spirit, with obedience, which comes from the Holy Spirit, with evangelism, which comes from the Holy Spirit, then we have revival. I'm a news junkie. I've been watching the news last couple weeks. For some reason, I stayed up till 1 o'clock in the morning to watch the speaker get elected. I don't know why. I need a life. And, but I sat there and I watched it, and I've been watching everything's going on with Trump and Biden and on and then a back and forth and everything that's going on. And I understand that the stuff that happens in Washington, D.C. is important, but folks, 
if you want to fix America, what we need are not better candidates or better leaders. We need the Spirit of God to blow through this nation like crazy. People can look back, remember the good old days when you could live in Portsmouth and leave your door unlocked and my dad used to leave his keys in the car. And there were no problems. And it wasn't because of who was in the White House. It wasn't because of social media. The reason you could do that back then was because the majority of people inside the county were Christians. That's why. Do you remember what it used to be like to get to church on Sunday morning? Traffic was horrible because everybody was going to church. The answer is not Republican or Democrat. The answer is faith in Jesus Christ and the Spirit of God. That's the answer. The Apostle Paul actually writes that you are to be filled with the Holy Spirit. All right, here I go back to Greek again. No one tell Dr. Osborne I did this. When he says be filled with the Holy Spirit in Greek, that's what's called an imperative. That means it's a command. When Paul says be filled with the Holy Spirit, it's not a suggestion. It's not, wouldn't that be nice? It's if you're a Christian, you love Christ, you must be filled with the Holy Spirit. You say, okay, Matt, how do I do that? You can't. It's a movement of God. You can pray for it. No, you can beg for it. Well, really, you need to prayerfully beg for it. It's a movement of God. When the apostles are filled with the Holy Spirit, they didn't do some abracadabra, wave some Harry Potter spell and, and, and get the Holy Spirit. The Spirit just came crashing down on them. But we need it. Because the Bible is also very clear. And people don't like to hear this, but I'm telling you. You can argue with God if you want. In the end, you'll lose. There is nothing inherently good in us. If somebody does... A nice thing. They're not a Christian, but they do a nice thing. They do a good thing. I see it. I'll be driving along. I'm, some dog or kitten is in the middle of the highway for some reason. Somebody will stop, jump, grab it, and put it all over the side of the road, or, or, you know, or they'll do something. You watch all these videos. I'm very glad. Megan, be praying for her. I, I worry about her. She's in Washington, D.C for her job this weekend. She's doing a presentation today uh, at a church uh, outside of Washington, D.C. And I see all these videos on the news of what's happening in big cities. The subways, the metros, and all that kind of stuff. People being thrown onto the tracks, and all this kind of stuff. And you'll see some people fight back and help people and so forth. 
And you'll say, no, Matt, that's, that's a good thing. They're doing a nice thing. Yes, they are. But there's reasons we do good things outside of the spirit. We do it to be seen as good people. We like to be seen as good people. We like for people to look at us and think we're all that. Or we do things out of fear, or we do th- whatever. We, but when the Spirit leads you, it's different. It's just different. There is no way my lazy behind gets up at 3 o'clock in the morning and drives to Columbus to spend five minutes in prayer with somebody before they go into surgery at 6 a.m. And let me tell you something, and Kayla can back me up on this. Getting my wife out of bed at 3 a.m.? Megan would sleep till 3 p.m. if I let her. But there we were. Not because we're such good people. It's because of the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God. The Spirit, the Bible tells us, does things even for non-Christians. We, we call it common grace. Common grace is this thing that the Bible teaches that the Spirit of God will even bless non-believers. It will hold back chaos and disorder. It'll, 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 the Spirit of God will do wonderful things. And whenever you see a wonderful thing, you shouldn't say, isn't that a good person? You should say, don't we have a great God? The Spirit of God is everywhere. It's there. The Bible is clear that both good and bad, some things we call bad, the Spirit does as well in order to accomplish God's purposes. Go look at Exodus and Exodus 4. It's the spirit that hardens Pharaoh's hearts. Why? In order to free the Israelites. The spirit moves. Even all the chaos we see around us on TV, the spirit moves. um, And it moves primarily through the people of God, but it moves everywhere. I remember, I don't know how many of you remember this story. Um, if you remember where you were on 9-11, I was two hours outside of New York City. I was getting ready to go into a class in, in upstate New York, and I was sitting there, and we were in the student center at the law school, and the TV was on. None of us were going to class. We were all glued to what was happening just down the road in Manhattan. And I remember a young woman sat beside me, and both of her parents worked in the Twin Towers. And when the second tower fell, and she knew both of her parents were dead, she pointed her head up in the air and just screamed. One of the things that happened, some of you may remember, is that every flight, if you were on an airplane, 
on 9-11, when that happened, you were grounded. You had to go to the nearest airport, and you were stuck there. And planes didn't fly for days. Everything was shut down. And if you were crossing the Atlantic, if you were on a flight from, say, London to New York City, you, didn't, you weren't going to New York City, especially no planes were going to New York City. They were diverted, large, almost all of them were diverted to Newfoundland in Canada. All of a sudden, dozens of planes filled with hundreds of people are in a small city in Newfoundland. They don't have enough hotel rooms. What are you gonna do with all these people? They can't sleep on the plane. The news story started to come out that the people of Newfoundland began to line up at the airport and said, we'll take them home. And they didn't say, I'll take that one, that one, and that one. Just, I can take five. Okay, here's five. I can take ten. Okay, here's ten. I can take four. Okay, here's four. And for the next week, these complete strangers, some of which did not speak English, were given room and board, given a telephone to call their loved ones. That story came out the week after 9-11, and it was a, a feel-good piece is what the news called it. So usually they like to end with a feel-good piece. They start with something horrific. I used to work in politics. I knew a lot of news people. They used to call it, if it bleeds, it leads. But then... Grab them with something bloody, send them away with a smile. And every news station ran this story of the people of Newfoundland taking in all of these strangers. What they didn't report was that the people who started to line up at the airport and said, I'll take them in, were Christians. Now, I can tell you this, the way I'm wired, I wasn't raised this way, so don't think this reflects on my parents. When I was growing up, we had people in and out of our house all the time. Mom had that one frozen cake you weren't supposed to touch because it was for guests. Yeah, we just had people in and out. Me, on the other hand, somebody knocks on my door, I grab my phone, dial 9-1, and just wait to look out and see who it is before I hit the other one. I freak out. But what does the Bible teach? One of the movements of the Spirit is hospitality, that you will welcome strangers. That's the movement of God. That's the Spirit of God. We struggle, we all struggle. I struggle, you struggle with sin, trying to be obedient, wanting to be obedient, looking ourselves when we sin and think, why did I do that? Stupid. Here's what I've learned about the Holy Spirit. I could go on and on and on, but I'm wrapping it up. And don't worry, you don't have to be in a hurry. The games don't start for two hours. In my life, I, what I've tried to do, and there's some wisdom to this, but 
what I've tried to do is basically sin control. Well, something tempts me, I'll get rid of it, or I'll, I'll get accountability, or I'll do this. I'll, I'll do something to make sure that I don't sin. And what, what I've learned, what the Bible teaches is I need something different. Years, 100 years ago maybe, a pastor named D.L. Moody was preaching. And he held up a glass. Now, I don't have a glass. I just have a styrofoam cup. But just pretend with me. He said, let's say sin is air. How do I get the air out of this cup, this glass? And somebody shouted, you, you take a pump. He said, no, that'll create a vacuum and it'll bust the glass. How do I get the air out of the glass? And people shout a few other things. He goes, no, 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 that's not how you do it. And he poured water in the glass. He filled the glass with water and he said, that's how you do it. That's how you get the air out of the glass. I don't need to try to pick sin like air out of myself. I need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. That's what I need. That's what you need. That's what this church needs. That's what this world needs. Is to be filled with the Holy Spirit. The Spirit is another advocate, another friend. Jesus says, I will send another, meaning one like me, and you need to remember your first advocate. One of the things an advocate does is plead your case, argue your case. So it doesn't go down like this, but let's just to imagine, and this is why I'm wrapping up. We're going to be done in two minutes. Imagine it's like this. You sin, which you have probably already done today. If it is a sin to be irritated by puppies, I have sinned mightily this morning. And you can imagine it this way, that in the throne room of God, which is often depicted as a courtroom, the Father looks down at you, and you sin, you have committed treason, you have rebelled. And the Father says, not again. But your first advocate, the Son, stands up for you and says, Father, I paid their price. And it's unfair for anything to be punished twice. I paid their price. This is what Jesus does for you constantly. Plead your case that he has taken the punishment for your sins on the cross. Maybe if you remember more about that first advocate, you'll welcome and be filled with the second.
Make sense? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you. We thank you for your spirit. It brings love, it brings hope, it brings the word, it brings people to, to you. May there be less of us and more of you within us, within this church. May we be people of love and hope and the word and evangelism, which can only come through your spirit. There is no way we can manipulate your spirit. There's no way we can manipulate you. But I prayerfully beg for myself and everyone here to be filled with your Holy Spirit so that we may truly be your people. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Folks, I hope it happens for all of us. God bless you, God goes with you, and go Bengals. See you. <laughs> Christ Community Church, located at 25th and Thomas Avenue in Portsmouth, Ohio. Christ Community meets on Saturday at 5 p.m. and Sunday at 10.30 a.m. For more information, visit www.christcommunity.net or check out our Facebook page.